0: At that moment in time, I knew that it was God was speaking to me. There was no doubt in my mind that that idea in my head came from God.
1: And it was like, he grabbed my heart right then and there. Like I, my tears, like i have never had before just ran out of me.
0: And I'm super grateful that I get to know him.
2: Welcome to the Shining Miracles podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spirit-filled Discussion. I'm your host John Abado. With me here today as always is producer Linda. Hi everybody. And our guest for today is Kyle Leonard. Welcome Kyle. Really glad you're here. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, John. Good. Glad you're here. My quote for today's discussion is from the Tongues of Fire devotional day 10. Uh, which is titled The River, the Waves, and the Flow of the Spirit. It's written by Guillermo Maldonado, in which he writes, The Holy Spirit is like the water in a river that eventually covers us, as we enter deeper and deeper into it, until the only way across is to swim. That is how our relationship with him should be. We must be completely submerged in his power, presence, and manifestation until we can swim and the river of his presence and again that's from the tongues of fire devotional all right so we can get started kyle you have definitely been on a journey with the holy spirit i picked up on that when i heard you speak and i'd really like to hear how you began your journey but can you start by telling us what was going on sort of before you found your way yes so you know growing up grew up in
1: eldersburg um You know, I had married parents at the time. Um, You know, I watched a lot of um, relations going on for quite a few years, and I remember, uh, you know, that I didn't really have this, have any kind of outlet as far as dealing with those emotional problems, and so I used sports as my outlet and all baseball and basketball, and, you know, I think um, watching my mom and dad fight all the time, you know, and there was no physical abuse, but it was emotional and mental abuse, and, you know, um, I don't know. It was just something that, like, I had thought that became normal, you know? It was, like, something in my life that seemed like it was just something that happened all the time, you know? hmm You know, I think, um, man, I, I, the one time this, there was the one thing that, that I always remember too, was going when I would, when I go to bed, you know, my dad would always be out. He owned his own company. He worked hard, but he was a gambler, big gambler, loved to play the ponies. You know, I remember he, uh, my mom would do all the housework, the, you know, taking us to sports, take she she kind of filled both roles. You know, even here she has a husband um, who worked and paid the bills. Uh, other than that, though, you know, even in childhood being together, they were he was non-existent. But I remember going to bed every night, and he would come home, and I would uh, you know we had a gravel driveway, mm-hmm. and I would hear that truck on the driveway because I would hear the gravel kick up and immediately I would be like, oh, my God, he's home. I kind of laugh now because, you know, even me and my wife did marriage counseling and went through all that. And, you know, it was kind of that situation kind of got brought up where like even today and I don't even notice it, but like I hear a gravel driveway or a car hit the gravel. You know, I mean it's 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 another step of the healing process. I mean it was I was if I'm not aware of it, I can't work on it. You know what I mean? So anyway, so you know, growing up in that I mean that environment, it was um it was stressful on a kid, you know. I mean you don't really I don't think as a kid you really understand that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, but I also had I had this amazing mother obviously has amazing great-grandmother um she was I mean she was my best friend and uh you know she would come up all the time I would sit by the window for hours just wow. waiting for you know, anyway I mean I had these I had these very empowering women uh, wow. models in my life uh, but I always 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 looked for a role model in my life and you know, even the, the unhealthy ones, the ones that were doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, and I gravitated towards – I had a bunch of older cousins, and, you know, they were selling drugs, and, you know, here's my, here's me trying to – my dreams are to play college sports, uh, but I see what they're doing, and, you know, at, when my parents got divorced at 11 – you know, I thought I'd become the man of the house, I guess, so to speak, and right. my mom was working a lot, trying to also take care of my sister who was almost eight years younger than me. So at that time, she was really young, you know. And, I, kind of,
2: I think I kind of missed that um, when we talked about this earlier. You, those cousins, were male validation, whether it was healthy or not.
1: Of course, of course, yeah, that was okay. that was I had, you know. Um, okay. And they were doing something, and you know, and they seemed there was always a party or a, a ton of people around. And they were always like basically, you know, always getting they were always being asked for, you know what I mean? Where's Steve? You know what I mean, and it was because they sold drugs, you know, they had what people wanted, you know. So I wanted to have what people wanted because right. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a healthy role model in my life
2: right. other than
1: mother but anyway you know i think i so i started selling drugs after they got divorced and you know that that filled that filled validation for me you know mm-hmm. my phone was ringing people were always looking for me i felt like uh like i had arrived you know and i don't know man it was just crazy that the unhealthiness of all of it so looking back you know i think linda had a asked me earlier about, um, you know, did my mother know that it was going on?
2: Right.
1: You know, we talked about it, kind of laugh about it today that, uh, you know, she knew that something was going on, but she kind of buried her head in the sand, you know? So it's kind of difficult not to, like I said, that, you know, when you're 16, you're working part-time at a car wash and you're buying cars and clothes and God knows right. what else for you.
2: Easy to overlook the negative side yeah. of it. Right?
1: Well, she stopped me one day and she said, Kyle, how are you how are you buying all this? And I was like, Mom, I just saved my money from the car wash. And she's like, I Work three days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: So, you know, I I don't know, man. It was just something that like kind of filled that need for validation in my life for a lot of years. And
2: she probably didn't want to take that away from you.
1: No, nah, no. Nah. Well, she probably didn't. You're right because it probably was one of the only things that kept me going, you know. And I, I had this girlfriend at 16 that, uh, you know, I was head over heels for, and she cheated on me, and it absolutely crushed my world. And, you know, same year my uh, mom had married, remarried my stepfather, and I, you know, I was completely disrespectful to him.
2: At this point, where's your, where's your dad?
1: Uh, so my dad had moved to Virginia. Um, his excuse was that, you know, he was moving closer to the money. The, only, the way that he would show up was he would write a check, you know, and that's not really what I wanted. I didn't care about any money, you know. Um, yeah. I just wanted a father, you know what I mean? And so, I, you know, when I looked elsewhere for these role models, I found my just, found ones that were doing things that I shouldn't have been doing and you know I, thank god I didn't really get in any trouble growing up as far as that went you know um we started dabbling in different drugs and you know taking Percocet and Vicodin and before I know it you know OxyContin had entered my life and right at the time this um suburban epidemic had popped off with you know the opioids it uh It found found its way to me, and, you know, I fell in love. It was almost like I was replicating the spirit of God in my life. I felt like love for myself, like I was happy, joyful, you know what I mean? And just
0: happy. that hole in your your soul that you're trying to fill up, but you're filling it up with the wrong thing.
2: It has a strange similarity. I know after I personally had been through treatment and everything, there was a, a time when I drank some Listerine right before I went to an AA meeting. And when I got there, I, I was a little bit high and I sat on this rock and never went into the meeting. I sat out on the lawn on this rock and I felt the feeling and I thought to myself, you know what, this is nothing like the feeling I've had with God lately. And that was the oh. last time I ever put any alcohol in my body, but they were similar a, enough that I was, I knew I was looking for something. Sure. And that I had that Had at that point, I knew it had been the wrong thing I chose for so many years.
1: Yes. yep, yep, And that's I think we talked about earlier. It's like I've been looking from something, you know, greater than myself for so long. And I like I I was trying to like almost like replicate it through these like incredibly toxic ways. You know, I don't know. And, you know, so all that happened, I was, you know, I, I. my life went downhill drastically at that point. And, you know, I'd thrown out these dreams and aspirations of playing college sports and grades were going downhill. And, you know, that whole thing with that girlfriend, I mean, like it was just a dark, dark time during those years, you know, and that great grandmother that I spoke of, mm-hmm. you know, my, she died. Now um, there's so many things that happened in like uh three or four years span, you know, and looking back on it, you know, I've done, I've done some like meditations where I actually went back and was that 16 year old kid mm-hmm. talking orphans. God, man, I feel, I feel bad for that kid. You know, like, right. right. Here's a 16, 13 to 17 year old kid, whatever. And I mean, he has no coping skills, no father figure, really in his life nobody that like is healthy other than his mother and his mother tried to do play all these different roles you know and great mother but it's you can't you can't fill those roles you know um
2: so what you feel sorry for for the kid is the loneliness right
1: sure yeah i mean i was i felt like being trapped on an island with no solution you know so Uh, Being in this dark place, it was it was easy for for drugs and alcohol to to be my temporary solution. I feel better. You know what I mean? right? you know, it's just like anything else. As addicts or alcoholics, we take we take everything (laughs) to way too far. I just need to do this every day and I'll be fine. You know, Um, you know, where I knew it. You know, I was doing all these acts of and Oh, my God, man. I was addicted so bad. And um, Like, uh, I think we talked about it earlier. Like, I felt every day like it was Groundhog Day. And I woke up every day. Like, I have two choices. Like, I either got to get high or die, you know. And I tried to do both, really. Um, you know, so at 19, I finally asked for help. You know, my mom, like, I was just going downhill so fast. And I was like, Mom, I need some help. I got to get, you know, something. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, I just, you know, I just never my life without these things, you know. I didn't think that I could live sober anymore. And so she shipped me off to Florida. tried the geographical cure. My grandparents lived down there my whole life. And, you know, I, I... they lived in Tallahassee, and you know, I always wanted to be a Florida State Seminole. I grew up a huge fan, of their football team and whatever. So I went down there, and, um, you know, the same person went down there that left. You know, I had zero solution, zero way out. So the only thing that changed was the substances. You know, I went down there one through the other and partying and drinking and – doing all that stuff and you know I thought I was in college you know what I mean without going to class Mm -hmm. Uh, you know and I even tried to go to class I even tried school for a semester halfway through the semester I just stopped going you know because I just couldn't do it and I don't know so I met this girl and I was back and forth with her at my grandparents house and Uh, My my grandmother didn't know how to help me, you know, and she sent she sent me to this drug counselor who had eight years sober. And I thought that was like I thought that was a lot. I thought eight years was like a 100. But I really related this woman and she told a lot of my story, you know, and her boyfriend had 14 uh, years sober. He also had 14 DUIs. (laughs) This guy was never driving again you're um, like you want to go to a meeting you, you got to come pick me up let's go to this meeting you know and and he's trying to start twelve step with me he knew what i what i was going through so a couple of meetings in uh he had been like why don't you just come live with me you know looking back on it now i mean what that guy did like you know taking in this you know active addict and, um so he had 14 years sober and you know he's never driving again and every morning i i look out the window and here he is he's got a pedal bike with two big bags either side of the bike and he would put his paint cans in his paint supplies and he would pedal his way to whatever job he was doing for the day Right. and he was i was like how can you ride a pedal bike to work every
2: day you know obviously just uh a huge sacrifice. I mean, who was this guy? I mean, he's just like, you know, uh, obviously a blessing from somewhere upstairs. No question yeah. about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and what he went through to get to that point and then, you know, he told me some stories and I know he had some, some spiritual experiences with God that changed his life too. And, you know, even tried to help his son get sober at one point and uh, you know, it was, it was just crazy. And, you know, looking back on it, he was a, like the the best example of a walking big book I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know it at the time. Oh, but, you know, the grace that he showed, man, I mean, he was so like just nonchalant about it, too. Like it just it was effortless. I remember one time we went to this meeting and this guy stood up and he was I don't know how sober he was at the time, but he said, you know, I'm just grateful to be here. Um, I'm grateful to have a few dollars in my pocket to buy these jeans that I have on. And he pulled out a set of keys and he started shaking them. And he was like, "I'm, I'm just grateful to have keys today." And I, you know, thought it was the dumbest thing I had ever heard. I am. I got keys in my pocket. Big deal. You know, I didn't realize what he was talking about till years later when I didn't have any keys anymore. You know, because they started slowly disappearing one by one because the trust was not there anymore, so obviously people didn't want me to have keys to anything that they owned. Um, you know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I you know, I, and they tried to help me, and uh, I just didn't get it. And then you know, I could I, I couldn't get right, and I kept just I never could gain any sobriety whatsoever. And you know, I was in this toxic relationship down there. Um, you know, and, and we ended up we were fighting all the time and partying and drinking and drugging and uh that was that was you know just an example of probably what I saw growing up, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and you know that's your name. And that's
1: exactly right. That's all I knew. And oh my god, man, and the cops would get called anyway, that's a whole nother story, but so I had finally gotten to a point down there that I was just such an emotional wreck and I wanted to come back home. My sister, had got a full ride to play lacrosse at Delaware and I wanted to be a, a good brother. So, you know, I manipulated my mom and my family to come back home and, you know, I think I went to two home games the whole, her whole freshman year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, The same person that went to Florida with no solution, came back to Maryland with no solution. And, you know, I started getting, I was getting, started getting locked up a good bit down in Florida. And then I came back here and immediately got locked up in the state of Maryland, which is like, look, man, we, we're not, you got two options. It's going to be prison or you're going to go to treatment. And it was the first time I went to rehab. You know, I obviously chose rehab. I went to Shoemaker. Uh, and it was the first time that, uh, you know, I had heard, started hearing the message of Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time. You know, there was a good group of guys in there. We bonded. And they were like, you want to go to a sober house? And I was like, absolutely not. I went, you know, I left and try to go back my, you know, old life of doing things. I'm going to be fine. Uh, well, four months later, I overdosed. They pronounced me dead in the ambulance. You know, I came back to life. Man, and, and I know it was God. You know, he wasn't done with me yet. And I ended up going back to treatment. Same place, went to Shoemaker. I graduated um, or finished the treatment and went to a sober house. And in that sober house was a guy that, I had known from being in Shoemaker the first time, and, and he was as much of a mess as me, if not more.
0: <laughs>
1: and, you know, in the big book, the doctor talks about, you know, meeting this guy again, but not only, only recognizing him by facial features alone. He didn't know his, his spirit anymore. And it's the same thing that happened to me. It was like this the weird, like deja vu came over, Manny. And I was like, this guy is different. You know and i and i started talking to him about it and i was like dude you know i was like something's just so much different about you and he said he worked the twelve steps alcoholics anonymous and i was like i want you know it was like the first time like i was really attracted to it and you know i went through the 12 steps and the first time i did a fifth fifth step the first time i had talked to anybody about anything any emotional baggage, any, you know, traumas, whatever in the past, from the past. And it was like a thousand pounds that lifted and the spirit of God had answered me. And, you know, I, we talked about it earlier, but it was like, I'm such an addict that like, once I, have once you experience the spirit of God in your life, like, I need that every day. Right. You know, I mean? if I don't get it, I don't believe anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? And it was almost like I was trying to manipulate God in some ways that you know and I stopped doing the work and, and I realized what it took to like actually build a relationship with God. You know, I didn't realize be a relationship. I thought it was me. You need to serve me. Right. You were the higher power. Yeah. Um obviously he didn't he didn't grovel. You know, <laughs> and he was like, "Now you're going to work for this," you know, and um, so I, you know, I think I got about a year at that point, and I really wasn't doing a whole lot other than I went to the twelve steps, and you know, I forgot about the 12th step, you know, and um, it was really just about me, and I wanted everybody to roll the red carpet out because just Kylie's sober, and I really just thought that that was that was the only problem, like I if I didn't do drugs, my life would be amazing, you know? Um, but that wasn't the case, you know? And I stopped doing these things and I was still living dirty with just without drugs, chasing women and things, chasing things of this world, you know? Mm -hmm. God, they didn't, they never have filled that, that hole. They've just never done it. And I would, uh, you know, or come back and get eight months, come back and not, you know, and back and forth, back. Like, but I'm still living dirty, wondering why I'm not getting, you know? So I had actually moved out to Frederick, got sober out there for a while. And a good friend of mine's dad had like 30 years. And I'll, I'll never forget this either. And I was, I don't know. I think I was probably... Six, seven, eight, nine months clean at the time. And I remember I I was in a meeting and I said something to my friend's dad. I said, Jay, man, I was like, what's the secret? Like, I just, like, what do you know that I don't know? You know what I mean? And he said, Kyle, you just need to wave the white flag. Like, I remember driving home after that meeting thinking, what in the world was he talking and I didn't use, I didn't use the world. I was, I was busting to myself. Like, what is he talking about? You know? And I was mad. I was mad because like, it was still like, I didn't understand. I still don't understand what you're talking about. Just give up. Like, how do you do that? Right. And, uh, you know, so a couple of years went by and I'm back and forth, back and forth. And man, I was living with my grandmother again after another treatment i've been to like seven treatments at this point
2: okay are you back in florida or still in maryland no, just in maryland i okay. came back
1: this is over like a handful of years i've been in so many treatments and jails and institutions and god man it was like my whole life like i think i moved 20 times in five years because you know i couldn't keep an address Right. Um, so I was living with my grandmother. She had took me in and one up here. And, um, and I was, I was trying to kind of get my life together. And doing methadone. I'm showing up to the methadone clinic every day, but I'm still, you know, doing other stuff. And I get the relatively good job at Verizon. I'm on cell phones, and
2: you know, I think I'm killing it. That's just a train going by. Good time to take a break, though. Too many days in the darkness. Hey, this is your Shining Miracles host, John Abato. If you're listening to my podcast, you probably know what it means to be living in darkness and despair, or you know someone who does. So please take a moment and go to shiningmiracles.com and subscribe to catch future episodes. And please share the link or the website with as many people as you can. You never know who's living in quiet desperation and needs help finding their way back. You could be their link to a new life. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay, welcome back. We were just talking about Kyle had become familiar with the twelve-step program, but wasn't quite able to surrender yet. And Kyle, you said you were working for Verizon, right?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. And I, um, you know, I was—I thought I was doing well. Okay. <laughs> thought I'm on methadone. I'm living in my grandmother's house and really killing life. Um, you know, but I. At the same time i was i was so miserable you know i kind of was living in this delusion like i was i was doing okay i was doing good you know my life wasn't as unmanageable as it used to be you know other you know and then and i went to work and those day i come home and it was like immediately as soon as i get home like i had this overwhelming sense that i just want to commit suicide like my life was just nothing, you know, and I wanted to die. Like, I think I had, yeah, I just caught some some more charges a couple of months before that, and that wasn't anything unnormal either, you know. You know, that was my life for, God, uh, 15 plus years, you know, was new charges, you know, uh, more this, more that. Maryland told me, or Maryland and Florida both told me what I had to do, you know, to stay out of jail for God knows how long, you know, and I manipulated that, but anyway, so I'm, I just got home, and um, so
2: are you on, at this point, are you ha- off of heroin, on methadone, or wh- what's going on drug-wise there? Why, so I was on methadone,
1: I was taking benzos, I was okay. smoking, you know, I was doing pretty much everything but heroin, okay, um, so yeah, I mean, so I get home, and you know, I just had this overwhelming sense of, God, I, I, I need to die. Like, I can't do this anymore. My life had just finally got to the point where I just felt absolutely pointless, you know. And I remember looking out the window of my bedroom at my grandmother's house and a tree, this big, thick tree, and it had this big, thick branch that was about eight, nine, I don't know, 10 foot tall, and it went straight out. And I looked at it, I was like, that's plenty of, uh, plenty of a limb to hold me, you know, and
2: Real started quick to- here, I, I know this is a crucial part of your story, but I, I think it's important to try to understand the emotions involved. Sure. You know, we talked earlier about when you were a kid and, you know, you, your mom was trying to fill all these roles and there really wasn't a male validation for you there and nobody was really talking to you about feelings so when you were a kid there was this kind of overwhelming loneliness which is how you found the solution of drugs to begin with and now here you are all these years later you know and the story starts to really come together for you because that loneliness never went away in fact it sounds like it got worse it did
0: it did
1: yeah, I mean I felt absolute um despair, you know what I mean? Like I just I was so empty, such a shell of a person and I, you know, I mean like the darkness. I just I just look back at it and like I can just remember from what I can remember cuz I filled my life with so many drugs, but what I can remember is that like just dark it was when I could draw, like, a half of a sober breath, you know what I mean, like, and, you know, I just got to that point of absolute desperation, and the only solution I could really see was just ending it, like, I I was like, man, everybody in my life would just be better, I'm just a nuisance, I'm just a, you know, I'm just existing here. Like, this is so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, why keep putting my loved ones through all this, you know? And I'm a terrible brother. I'm a terrible son, grandson, you name it, you know? I'm just just a, a piece of crap, you know? And, um, you know, I, I got to that point. I even started twisting that sheet up that night. And I was, like, writing this letter to my mom and my sister. So- and like I was like look I just want you guys to to know I love you but I know you're better off without me I mean right then something it was a thought that I had and I you know looking back when I knew it wasn't my thought you know it was like it was, and it was simple it was like just sleep on it just sleep on it and okay well and that night which, and it probably wasn't much after that thought, I, I got down on my knees and I like, I, I remember this, like it was yesterday too. It was this desperate prayer. This, I mean, like absolute desperation. And I said, God, do what, what, what you want with me now, whether, and it wasn't kill me. It was more like, please just take my life from me as far as, you know, my will, you know, let your will, take over mine and you use me for however you want, you know, and it was so desperate and I fell asleep. And the next day, I was over, I was like filled with this willingness to go get help for myself for the first time. You know, I, I, I committed myself to the fourth floor at Carroll hospital told him oh, I was yeah. suicidal. I need help. And, you know, up there, I was there for a couple of days and I'm, and I'm on methadone, mind you, and,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: for a couple days and, um, you know, so, and then I go to, I'm feeling all right. I go to RSS and they take RSS. me to the center, by the way, it's another RSS? that's, uh, that's Mount Manor down in Sykesville. Oh,
0: okay.
2: It
1: was, under it was. a different
2: name before.
1: All right right it's been under multiple names um but at that time it was rss and it brought me in and and i'm feeling okay but then a day later i'm i'm still detoxing and that methadone was and they took me back up the shoemaker and i looked like death and but i still had like this like willingness you know like i i had to finally get clean you know and Went there and I'm, I get out of there and I'm like I'm still sick. Like it was, it was terrible. It was, not, it was a nightmare, you know. And I'm trying to sleep and couldn't. And I mean, those first couple of weeks just miserable. But I stuck through it and um, you know, I I started. I start. I got. I got a sponsor for. Uh, I asked somebody to help me, and they obliged and man, I just had this like fire, you know, this fire to like actually get clean for myself for the first time. And I remember this, like, I mean, there was over this four month span, I had four spiritual experiences with Jesus and completely changed my life. Um, You know, the first one was kind of like an out of body experience when I was sitting in uh, a group one day, I had been able to look down on myself and i remember thinking i don't know who that guy is anymore like i don't know um i don't, I don't know man it was it was the wildest thing you know it was like you got to get your life together you know and after that i started going to church i was going to crossroads and i remember i was sitting in church one day And they kept talking about the rock and the savior you know the rock is the savior and out of nowhere i just had this vision of him walking through the desert right and as you can pan out a little bit there's this huge rock and you could pan back a little bit and there was millions of people following him but like at a distance so about the same time he walks in front of this rock and flashes right in front of me and it was like he grabbed my heart and he just said keep following my son keep following me my son and right then and there like I my tears like i would never had before just ran out of me you know I'm like sniveling I'm and it was like I don't even it was nothing like I'd ever experienced you know and oh my god man it was like finally finally like i found the love of god like the i found the love of the male role model that i'd always been looking for you know and god man it was awesome it was you know the spirit entered me again and and it was like oh my god man i what am i gonna do now you know what i mean
2: like now i know god is real (laughs) You you know that is the moment you just described is the moment we're looking for in, in in the shining miracles that's what we hear from time to time it's my story it's other people's story that have, that have been here before and it's something that makes us brothers it's something that we have in common that it it feels like there's only a few of us but there's lots there's many right. and right. when we tell these stories, like the one you're telling right now, it's the best way to offer hope to those people that are lost. So what you're okay. doing right now is huge as far as offering hope um, to people that need to hear it. So keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just overwhelmed by a great story. It's
0: uh, great. It's great story.
2: Hey, Well, you know, I gotta
1: give the guy. I gotta give it to God because right. He's the one right. that. Uh, main character here i uh you know i so i don't know man it was just so many things that i was like overwhelmed. you know here's a guy that pretty much scoffed at god you know you know i had a sponsor previously to this years before that who i was working the 12 step with and when we would get done working you know out of the big book he would he'd be like all right let's read the bible now and i would be like i don't want to hear that crap (laughs) you know he would start reading me passages and, and i would be like yeah but what about this what about that there's no way that could have happened because of this and you know and, and then i just was trying to find every reason for for jesus not to be real when that happened it was just like oh my god you know what i mean i was i was wrong I and mean, i was like Immediately born again you know what i mean and it was i i kind of say like I, I was baptized by fire by the holy spirit you know and um that wasn't the first one i mean it wasn't the last one you know there was a couple more that happened in a, a couple more months and oh my god man like i i set out on this mission and what's crazy i think we can get a little delusional too when those things kind of happen at least for me i i say i got You know, it was kind of, maybe I'm the second coming of Christ.
2: Yeah, right. Right.
1: I wanted to become a pastor and I had so many people I had to save and just all these crazy things, you know what I mean? And really that wasn't at all my mission, you know, um, after that, like, no, I was reading the Bible all the time. I was reading Billy Graham's book next to it, breaking down everything. And it was like, I had to know everything now. You know, I'm super analytical. So it's like, I got to, oh, everything. I still
2: do that. I still do yeah. that. for years and years and years, I've been, I go through these moments in my life where for weeks, all I can do is, is open the Bible and read all kinds of stuff and write all this stuff down. And, you know, here it is. Here, here's what we're supposed to be doing. Can't you hear me? All right. Yeah.
1: and and I do and we do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I think share that with people I I think when it first happened for me it's like I was more important than I really was you know what I mean and I again here I am you know I'm super grandiose sometimes I gotta you know God save me so I can save you Mm -hmm. you know it's not No, I don't have any power you know, like the only power that I have is the power that Jesus gifts me with, you know, and we do. Amen. And we, and we do have a mission and we do have, you know, Christ lives inside of us. So I, like, I do know that, like, I am a, um, what's the word I, you know, a baton, right? Like I, I, I'm a baton between me and between Christ and somebody sharing, his message uh man it's like i don't know when i'm sharing the message of christ with like like, anybody really when it's Mm one-on-one
2: and
1: it brings this like fire and the spirit inside of me like out and i'm like so passionate
2: just you have you're doing a thing called what is it recovery inc yes okay can you tell us about that
1: absolutely um you know, and I'm not a perfect member of this group because I don't can't get there every week, but mm-hmm. um, so at Crossroads we started a meeting called Recovery Inc., it's on Tuesday nights, 730. Um, so recovery obviously, and that Inc. stands for in the name of Christ. Cool. So yeah. obviously not it with AA, but we talk a lot about uh, the correlation between the steps and certain passages and certain books in the Bible. And sometimes we have pastors come in and talk about like, you know, their struggles or, you know, we had just had a guy talk about pride and ego. I mean, you know, his his breakdown of that was amazing, you know. And mm-hmm. Lord, if believe it or not, I mean I still struggle with pride and ego. You know, <laughs> believe it <or> not, huh? <laughs> You're human. You're human. Right. Right. You're human. right. So even though I'm you know, thought I was rendered white as snow. I, I wasn't, you know, and mm-hmm. still have struggles, man. I still have struggles and but I can tell you what I know today is like how much do I want to struggle, you know. If I want to continue to struggle, don't talk to Jesus, don't have relationship with Jesus and do whatever I wanna do. You know, there you go. You know, I'm talking to Jesus. I'm trying to build that relationship up. I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible and spread his message when I'm by far the happiest in my life. Now, thank you. I have a wife who's a believer as well and holds me accountable. I'm glad that I have a network that holds me accountable. And man, You know, i tell you a quick story because I know this is Jesus 100%. uh, You know, I think, so for years, I prayed for a little girl, right? I always wanted to be a dad. Oh my God. Um, I always wanted to be a dad. You know, my wife had gotten pregnant and um, had a miscarriage. And, you know, at the same time, you know, I had my own struggles with sexual bondage too, you know, and it was, it was tough, man. It was really tough on her and I wasn't there. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't very, I wasn't connected emotionally yet, you know, and then this came years later and working through all this shit stuff, but like almost to the day, a year later after that she got pregnant again and she was always told for years that she had to use fertility drugs, you know? Well, she didn't, you know, we didn't. And, um, so everybody was telling me it was a boy, it was a boy. And I was like, it can't be a boy. It's it's gotta be a girl, you know, praying about this for years. And, uh, I I finally got okay with it. I was like, you know, and I I even had a couple of boy names picked out because everybody's telling me they think it's a boy. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, whatever, as long as he's healthy and whatever, it's cool, you know, I'm, I'm blessed either way, and uh, at 16 weeks, we got the blood test back, and they called and said it was a girl, uh... I was like,
0: oh
1: my God, you know what I mean, and it was just so many, it's just been so many instances in my life where, you know, Jesus showed up time and time again, and, you know, I mean, I owe my life to, to God, I mean, <clears throat> From the from day one, obviously, right? I wouldn't be here without God anyway, but God, I, I tried so hard, so hard for so many years to run from him.
2: Right. Yeah. He just, yeah.
1: me. he let me stray a little bit and he'd be like, come on back, you know? And I don't know, man. Once I finally turned around and, you know, I really, he just was like, look, man, you know, I want to, I want to, re- you know, reveal myself to you. Finally, I mean, you know, my life has just drastically changed so much that, you know, we laugh about it all the time, but like, you know, I I still feel like I look at my past now from like a third person witness Mm -hmm. and like, I don't even know who that guy was. Like, I really don't, somebody tells me I did, or y'all, you remember this? And I'm like, I do vaguely, but like, it's, it's like somebody else was doing it.
2: I have yeah. I have a conversation I'm once more. In, a, while I had I in think. fact, a couple of days ago, where you know when when I first met God and looked back at my life, I felt like I you know I was a pioneer who had gone hunting and came back 17 years later. My family was gone, <laughs> or I was abducted by aliens, and they kept me right. in space for 17 years and then dropped me off and told me all these things that I did, and I was like, it wasn't me. Who took my body? Right.
1: It's crazy. Right. You implanted you those memories. Right. You know, I, and it's exactly how I feel. You know, it's um, I know that I was reborn. You know what I mean? And it's just what I have today compared to like what my life was. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, I give all the credit to give, uh, the grace <clears throat> that he showed this center was nothing short of a miracle, obviously, you know I mean? We're on Shining podcast talking about this. It was absolutely a miracle that he could turn this out, this alcoholic addict that thought he was doomed to live this life forever. And I blame God for that. I thought he made me this, you know, and I scoffed at him, I cursed him, you name it. And even after all that, to like, just show me the grace that he showed and not only showed me that like has has made my life abundant you know what I mean and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. two daughters <clears throat> a beautiful wife and he's given me material things but like who business, cares
2: a new business of I, yours mm-hmm.
1: yeah started my own business oh, man it's you know and I don't know he's just giving me a life beyond I, and I, I used to hate this thing beyond my wildest dreams, like, Real. you know, I mean, what else, how else can you describe it? Yeah, mean,
2: we, we were talking in an unrecorded conversation about how, <laughs> <laughs> about how, you know, sometimes for whatever reason, whether it's environmental or genetic or, you know, you can blame it on whatever you want, but in the first part of our lives as addicts, before we even use drugs, we're kind of not living the way we're supposed to. We're numb to life the way it's supposed to be. And we're just kind of alone walking around on this planet without all the tools we're supposed to have. And then one day God knocks on our head and says, Oh, here's all the tools you were supposed to have. And we wake up and we have this whole new life. And then we keep thinking we know what the mission is, but then it changes. You know, I'm, I'm like semi retiring and then, Oh, wait a minute. For some reason, I'm going to go work at a treatment center, and why am I here? I don't know. This is crazy, and I start meeting all these people, and this podcast shows up, and you know, I don't know what God's going to do next. I don't, but I feel blessed all the time. And every day is a bigger blessing than the day before. Even on a really lonely, painful day, it's still way better than before I knew God.
1: Absolutely, just one blessing after another, and you know, He did. That there wouldn't be any struggles, you yeah. know. I uh, I look at I look at Job a lot. I, you know, I look at Job and man to go from, you know, want, being one of God's favorites, right, to having everything stripped away from him, you know, and to basically cursing God, and to find God again, and then to be basically repaid tenfold right right? I mean talk about trials and tribulations of following Christ you know I I, you know following Christ is not weak either you know what I mean it's I've found that it can be extremely challenging at times you know my faith can be kind of tested I can question my on more than one occasion you know what I mean but like anytime anytime I'm in, uh, in that spot and I'm starting to struggle and I ask Christ for help every time I get help, you know, and it just reaffirms who my higher power, who God is and how much he actually loves me. And, you know, I'm grateful at times and I, you know, just want more than I need. And I, you know, and he humbles father too, you know, and it's, um, I don't know. It's it's the biggest blessing, uh, miracle that I've ever experienced in my life to go from seeing life one way to seeing life in Christ's eyes. At times, you know what I mean. It's I don't Holy know
2: Holy Spirit, and you know we've talked about it on on previous episodes. Uh, Paul's favorite word, dunamis, which, yeah, you know is that packed full of other words about power and what you end up with is a joy that's so big. It's like joy that is um, propelled by dynamite, you know, it just yeah. explodes within you. And it's all the Holy Spirit. It's all Christ. And, you know, we can fall away from that joy at times, but we never have it without God. Right. You no, know, we never have.
0: I'm, it I'm it. reminded of a little thing, you know, a life of a Christian is not It is not perfect it's never meant to be perfect in this life we will have trials and tribulations and tests but it's never god that moves away from us it's us that pull back right but then when we you know he's always there all we have to do is turn to him and say okay god okay jesus i give up you take over and he's always always there always there
2: like that was a guy told kyle what's the most important thing, you know, it's surrender, wave the flag, you know, and yeah. I hear it all the wave
0: time. Wave the flag, right. Back to that, what that guy told you, wave the white flag.
2: Yeah, all absolutely. Right. The best thing,
1: anytime, any like moments in my life that I can look back is like the best moments in my life ever was when I w- waved the flag. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, man, if I could just do that every day, you know what I
0: mean? <laughs>
2: Yeah, wake up already humans. in the flag-waving mood
1: <laughs> right 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 i just want yeah wave the white flag every day and my life would be great you know if i could actually let the,
0: yeah we always want to take back the control don't we
1: yeah we every always time take it back every, every time it's funny yes, i mean we, we kind of joke yeah we kind of joke but when uh You know, it's like going to a meeting. Like I didn't want to go to a meeting, but I went to a meeting, and afterwards, I felt amazing, right? I mean, but and then I can like be like, "Oh man, I'm make all these plans. Like I'm gonna go to another meeting tomorrow, and all that stuff." And tomorrow happens, and I say the thing that I said the day before, like I don't want to go to a meeting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it's like I resist, like like Paul says, like why do I do what I hate, but hate to do what I, right? You know what I
2: mean?
1: Like, I mean, I, I try to remember that passage all the time because that's that is me. To the that's city. What we're
2: fighting, yeah. That's yeah, all of us. Yes. Yep. Well, this has been this was an amazing story, Kyle.
0: It was an amazing story. Thank you so much.
2: This is, uh, I guess, a good place to wrap it up. Before I, yep. before we start wrapping <laughs> up, Kyle, did you have anything else that you wanted to add?
1: Uh, man other than just you know I I wave the flag you know wave the flag that's all I got
2: great Great, man All right, so Kyle thanks so much for being here with us today we have been extremely blessed I know our audience will be as well keep doing exactly what you're doing brother because it's you know it means a lot to me and I know it's going to you know continue to mean a lot to a lot of people Um, please come back for more episodes in the future that would be really cool um, and thanks, as always, producer Linda. If anyone, Pleasure. Yep, if anyone uh, listening has a story that you want to share, please go to shiningmiracles.com and send us a message. Yeah. Every, and to everyone, enjoy his presence. The Shining Miracles podcast is produced by Angel Valley Studio. It is recorded and edited by myself, John Avato. Our theme song is Born Again by Michael Shines. See you again in the next episode.